the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host with over 30 years of leading in the trenches right alongside you. This is a common sense show about running a business. Most of the folks we coach and help with Entree Leadership have five to about 250 team members. And uh, if you're running something with 10,000 people, I can help you with leadership in general, but I've never done that. Uh, our team is about 1,100, and Ramsey Solutions does about $300 million a year. So that's the size we are. We started on a card table in my living room 30 years ago, and um, God and a whole lot of people have caused this to happen, and I'm one of them. So we're here to help you. So you jump in if you want to be a caller on this podcast at 844-944-1070 or go to entreeleadership.com slash ask, and uh, we'll try to help you out. Eric's going to start this episode off in Sheridan, Wyoming. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm doing far better than I deserve. How about yourself? Just the same, sir. How can I help? Well, um, I am the owner-operator of a small commercial roofing company. I have 11 team members, and uh, this year we're on track to do a little over $4 million in top-line sales, uh, which is about 25% up from last year. Good for you. Uh, thank you. I, uh, I bought this company from my dad uh, nine years ago. He founded it almost 40 years ago, and I'm just trying to think ahead of my own exit and transition. And uh, I've heard your advice a number of times of um, kind of owner financing the sell of a business uh, where the, the new owner takes a minimal salary and gives all profits to the old owner to buy out. Um, but my business is somewhat of a high liability business. We, uh, yeah, there's a lot of liability involved. We do bonded jobs and things like that. I was just looking for some more tactical advice of how to actually go through that process of, you know, when, when actual ownership would transfer at what point in that process and maybe how to mitigate some of those liabilities for both the exiting owner and the new owner. Hmm. Well, I mean, you've got to maintain the bonds or you don't get the jobs. And so, um, you know, I, I would probably put in the documentation that if the new owner did not maintain the bonds, that they're in default so that you could come back in and take it over because they're going to run it in the dirt. It's going to be worth nothing in 20 minutes, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you got a pretty short fuse on that puppy. So, you know, in, in order to not be in default and if they're in default, the default mechanism in the, you know, you'd, you'd basically be in a sense foreclosing on the business, although there's probably no, uh, real estate that you're foreclosing on, but you would be taking the business back over if they let, if they, uh, you know, failed to keep bonds in place. So they need to give you proof of bond until they paid you out. And then the second thing is that they need to give you proof of liability insurance and you probably carry some pretty decent limits on that. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. Mainly injury, right? Um, well, your workers comp know, stuff is workers comp stuff's gotta be rowdy. Yeah, um, and then liability for buildings. You know, we roof a lot of schools. Um, you know, we're over the top of computer labs, data centers. A water intrusion on something like that can be pretty costly. Yeah. So, what do you do? You carry insurance to do that? Cover that now? 
I do, yes. Okay. We have some pretty significant liability insurance. Yeah, I would think you would. That would make sense. And that's what I would do. And, and so I think maintaining that insurance as well um, is is a mechanism. If they don't maintain it, it's a mechanism for default. Um, you know, because those are key elements to the destruction of the value of the business, the business itself, um, if you don't have those things in place. And so if you're going to cut corners and you're the new owner, those aren't two you can cut. Otherwise, I foreclose and take the business back. Okay. And that's, and, uh, you know, and, and also, you know, what you and I are discussing here, I, I mean, I'm not, I've never been in the roofing business, but just observing from the outside looking in, I've been around building my whole life and I've built large commercial buildings and homes and so forth. And just observing all of that uh, um, uh, tells me that those two things are, they're permission to play. It's table stakes to have those two things in place, right? Bonding mm-hmm. and, and insurance, liability insurance. So yeah. you, you don't get to play at, you know, you, I mean, you can play small time out of the back of your truck, but I mean, if you want to, if you want to contract an, a good sized job, you're going to have to have these two things, uh, the liability to protect you and the bonding to protect the, the, the it's a performance bond basically. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. And so that, 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 that's table stakes. And so if anybody's going to buy your thing and they don't have enough sophistication to understand that that's permission to play, then you probably don't want them as a buyer. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, a, and, it's, a, it's a precursor to have a sophisticated enough buyer in the mix as well. So, yeah, I, I'm just anything like that that's essential to the running of the business itself um, would be a mechanism for default. And, and you can come back in and take it over. Uh, but if you're, if you're passing this to family and you've been mentoring them for years, it's kind of a no brainer. They should understand it. But you can put it in the documents if you want then as well. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash Ramsey. That's NetSuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. Oh, if you've been listening to this podcast for just a little while, you probably heard me talk to other callers and we talk about the stages of business, everything from treadmill operator all the way through the legacy builder stage of business. The Ontario Leadership Team just released our new and improved stage of business assessment. 
It'll help you easily and accurately identify exactly where your business is and then you know what to work on to level up and move on through the stages. The speed at which you move through the stages, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It's taken me 30 years to move through all five stages. Our hope is, is that by teaching you that you can move and grow your business and move through the stages quicker and more efficiently, but it helps to know where you are and then what the items are that help you to move to the next level of sophistication, the next level of productivity, and you'll know what you need to work on. It's that simple. So click the link in the show notes or go to entreleadership.com to find out which stage of business you're in. Steve is with us in Oklahoma City. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, Dave. It's an honor to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, sir. How can we help? So um, I am a new leader in a a real estate business here in Oklahoma City, and um, I've been with the company for just about a year. And one of the things that we don't um, provide to our employees, we're a small company, and that I have a goal of in the future is to provide employee benefits like 401k and uh, medical insurance and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so my question is at what point in your stages do you start offering um, formal benefits to your employees? I don't know that it would be necessarily a stage issue. Uh, Most people in treadmill operator stage don't have the margin to do it. Uh, Right. How many team members did you say you had? We have six. Six. Okay. And what kind of business? It's a uh, real estate uh, property management. We do um, we do flip houses and um, rental properties as well. Okay. Well, in your world, there's a lot of independent subcontractors as well, um, yeah. and so they're more used to uh, providing their own benefits because they're self-employed. If you're an independent subcontractor, right. so. Uh, that you know, around the real estate world, that's fairly standard. Like, if you own a real estate brokerage operation, you might have forty agents, but a hundred percent of them are independent subcontractors. There's not a benefits package typically in those settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's not. In other words, the marketplace isn't demanding it now. Uh, in terms of when did we start doing it, um, the 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 first thing we looked at was, um, did we have the money? Do we have enough margin? Do we have actual profits that we could then turn and invest back into the team? Then the second thing we looked at is, was that something that we um, we've morally felt good about providing that to the team? And then the third thing was, I mean, do we feel like we should be doing that uh, if we could? And then the third thing is, is was there, is there a measurable ROI? I'll give you an example. Okay. Health insurance is uber expensive. Just, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's and every year I have to deal with it. And since Obamacare came in, it's just God almighty. It's a mess for small <laughs> business. It's horrible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the, on the other side, there's uh, uh, disability insurance long-term disability insurance. Now, I long-term disability insurance costs compared to health insurance almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I I believe strongly in having long-term disability insurance. And it costs almost nothing. And when I had the money, it was one of the first things I bought. Because it was a lot easier decision because it didn't cost anything compared to health insurance. Now, health insurance has been a fiasco since day one. And to start with, we 
you know, we came up with a plan. This was before Obamacare where we, you know, because we've been in business a long time. And, you know, we, we would pay part of it. You pay part of it. And when it increased, well, we both picked up the, some of the increase. So you knew what your health insurance was costing uh, because people that have 100% of their health care insurance furnished, they don't measure the cost of it at all as a benefit. Right. It could cost a business a bazillion dollars, and the, the employee, the team member, doesn't even care because they haven't noticed. So we're more on that end of the spectrum today where we furnish all – I think we furnish all of it or almost all of it. And so – uh, uh, and certainly meet all the guidelines of the federal requirements today that we have to do. So uh, not as thrilled with health insurance as you can tell, but I'm glad we have it, and we've got some wonderful stories of uh, children in the NICU, ba- babies being born here and they're in the NICU, and health insurance you know, kept them alive a million dollars worth. And so We've got wonderful stories of stuff like that, so we've been glad we've had it over the years, but uh, it was a harder one to write the check for because it's much bigger than simple long-term disability, which is a much better bang for your buck uh, on the benefits side. The third thing I would say, or fourth thing or whatever it is I would say about this is we never, and I would never suggest any of you that are running small businesses, get in the mindset that you have to compete with corporate America on the benefits package in order to get a team member. I want team members here who Benefits is one of the last motivators for them. Uh, instead, they're motivated by work that matters, a quality environment. They're motivated by working for a family business who actually knows about them, loves them, loves their family, cares about them. Corporate America does none of that. And if all you're worried about is a benefits package, then I'm sus- I'm suspect of you when I'm interviewing you uh, in a small business setting that you're just here to collect a check. You want a job, and where can I get the most money and do the least work? And yeah, that's not who I, I want on my totally. team anyway. And so if you're chasing benefits packages, you're probably not a future team member. And so that released me from this need to keep up and provide all these benefits pa- that that corporate America provides. Now, I believe strongly, morally, in a 401k. And using it at the proper time in baby step four that we teach in our personal finance curriculum and have for 30 years. So we have a strong matching program, but and we're not allowed by law, nor do we tell people they can or can't get into it. But we strongly suggest you follow the freaking baby steps. Uh, we can't make you do that. But, you know, so consequently, our people that are in the 401k, uh, you know, they're putting a full 15% in. They're getting a good company match. They've got a Roth option. They've got good mutual fund options because I'm freaking managing the 401k. I mean, I know what I'm doing. So this is a one of the best 401ks in the dead. But it's not because I'm trying to keep up with corporate America. It's because it's a very cool thing I can provide, and I can make a few extra millionaires out of the people that work here just doing that if they stay here and do the stuff I teach all the time. So that's kind of the moral component, and it's got a great ROI. By moral component, I don't mean that I'm they're, I'm, they're morally entitled to it. I mean that I morally believe in it. I ethically believe in it. And if I teach 401k on the street, like as a must, as a one of the seven baby steps, then I ought to have a robust 401k program. And I do. We do at Ramsey. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking at. I'm looking for ROI, meaning bang for the buck. If I put in a million dollars, do I feel like I'm getting 
a million dollars worth of credit, street cred, with the team and with the right kind of potential team member. But I never want someone to join our company because, oh, they've got a great 401k. That should be way down the list of the reason they join Ramsey. Or, oh, they've got great health insurance. That's someone who's figuring out what they can get rather than what they can give. And we want people coming in here that add value, not are trying to be parasites on the organization. So I'm fine running off. If, if well, I, went over, I went to work for so-and-so because they had a better benefits package. You know what? That's perfect because we didn't want you anyway. That's not what that – you're not the type. Uh, you know, you come to work here and you love our benefits, not because of our benefits. So uh, that that's a different mindset. And really, small business – you know, corporate America, the first thing they do when there's a downturn in the economy is they pee on their team members and they turn around and fire a bunch of them and they call it layoffs, right? And they, they just piss all over them and it's just treat them awful. And so you're, you know you're expendable. You know you're just a unit of production and they'll put your little butt on the street at the first turn of a hat. Small business doesn't do that. Small business people, I talked to a friend of mine the other day, is, is getting hammered in this downturn right now, and he had to lay off some of the people that he loved. He was crying. He had tears run down his face talking about laying off people because their, their company's in trouble. I mean, it's a horrible time for them right now. That's small business. They got a huge heart. They love you. You're the, you're the last thing they want to do is, is put you on the street. They work too hard to get you in there. So that's the kind of people that Steve is and, and that we are at Ramsey. And, and so, you know, keep that in mind, all of you small business. Don't try to philosophically compete for people that are just looking for a benefits package with your benefits package. But align your benefits package with stuff you really believe in and you really like. Like I'll give you an example. Here's another thing you could do. You, you, you know, guess what? If you work here, Financial Peace University is mandatory, and you get a whole truckload of our products every year free as an employee benefit. Why? So you can give them to your friends and relatives because you believe in what we do here, and you're proud of what we do here. So you can give away, you know, a, a Dr. John Deloney new book for Christmas presents this year. That's pretty stinking cool. That's the equivalent of if you work at a heating and air company, the receptionist at the heating and air company should have a really fine air conditioner. Hello? I mean, she ought to have the best one in the world, right? And if you, if you work at a denti, at a, in a dentist's office, I mean, for God's sakes, everybody ought to have great teeth, right? And it ought to be on the dentist. Not a, it ought to be just given because these are the products that you, you – you ought to be bragging about it to your team. Your team ought to be proud to work there and all that whole process. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can do in small business just sharing what you do with your team. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's all kinds of wonderful things that you can, you can plug into that way that, that you, where you're not trying to compete philosophically head to head and, you know, that makes a big difference. So that's a really, really good question, Steve. Thank you. And congratulations on making your successful business happen, man. Real estate's a slow down. You're one of them slowed down right now. And, uh, and the one, you know, the beauty, beautiful thing is those that have got they're crapped together and that survive the downturn are really going to be ready when this thing comes roaring back. And, uh, man, I'm ready for it to come roaring back. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, -day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. 
But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Thank you for joining us. Hey, listen around Ramsey, we believe in small business. We know that statistically and factually and actually, you are the backbone of the American economy. 54% of the gross domestic product in America is by businesses that have less than 500 team members. By definition, small business is the backbone of the economy. And they survive and thrive and come up with the best and brightest and new ideas in spite of the fact Washington pees on them every chance it gets. They survive and thrive in spite of the fact that nobody gives them any respect. And they can, but you know, they, they turn themselves into millionaires and they do it by serving and taking care of their customers and serving and taking care of their team. I mean, the brightest spot in the cultural landscape of America today is small business. They're the best people doing the best work and work. They work their butts off, man. So if you're a small business, your family business, man, I'm in your camp, you're heroes and you deserve to win. And we're here to help you and make sure that you do. Chad is with us. Chad is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. I'm a longtime listener of yours, so it's an honor to talk to you. You too, sir. What's up? So we have nine full-time employees, most of which are in their 20s or early 30s. So most of them either have small children or are planning to start family soon. We have one employee who's been with us almost the whole time we've been in business, but has just missed countless days with either the the child being sick or her caregivers being sick. Um, We have kids ourselves. We understand that. And we are always accommodating to her needing to be out, but it puts a big strain on our other employees because we're taking the same amount of work and just splitting it amongst the rest of the employees. And there are periods where she doesn't even make enough to to meet the full-time requirements for the benefits that we're paying. So my question is twofold. We want to be bosses that are empathetic and accommodating, and we want to promote families. Our family is very important to us. So my question is, one, what is your advice on finding the balance between being that accommodating, empathetic boss while having enough to to run a business that relies very heavily on these employees day to day? And the second part is, when it comes time for raises or bonuses, would you recommend it's based off of hours worked? And does that seem like a fair system to reward the people that are there working harder to make up for this? Okay. Um, second question first, because it's easier. Uh, 
no raises are just merit based. They're not they're not okay. based on anything else, and so that can be hours worked. That would that would enter into it, but I mean, you have people that uh, work the same number of hours and don't get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively, I mean, if one guy if one gal works forty hours and, and brings a company a million dollars, and one works forty hours and and you know brings a company a hundred thousand, then you know it's not hours worked then, right? So it, okay. it, it is it is merit based, and that is uh, you know what is what you're doing, uh, you know, cost saving or revenue producing. Uh, that justifies your existence, and it's it's you know it's pretty stinking incredible. The second thing we look at on races is we want to be at least at market. Um, we so we do comp studies all the time of different categories and say, okay, in Nashville or in Tennessee or in the southeast, what does you know this programmer make a Dev one or a Dev two uh, or a plat- or, you know a software engineer or platform. Uh, architect, what do they make? And we're studying that and going, okay, I'm really not trying to compete with Seattle. Uh, that's right. You know, I got very, I mean, it might get somebody from Seattle, but I'm trying to say in middle Tennessee, what is the market for this? I might, we might look at the national numbers, but doesn't actually on software people, we do bring them in from all over, but, uh, but you know, what does the typical person in this category make? So that, and that's the minimum we want to be at. We want to be, you know, competitive there, but then, then if I've got someone that is like the best of the best of the best in that, then yeah, we're going to be merit-based racist. Now, back to the other question. So the, is the the person you mentioned this lady? I think that is her child is ill. Is, is there a, a, a chronic situation, or the kid the kid's just getting a cold at daycare, or what are we talking about? Yeah, it's a general run of the mill. Yeah, respiratory or GI issues. No, no chronic illnesses have been diagnosed, but. Ooh, it just seems like there's a, a lot, a lot more than you would expect. Okay, I mean, do you suspect something else is? I mean, it is because um, again, okay, two, two, two or three things of how we achieve the balance. All right, number one, how would I want to be treated, or how would I want my daughter treated if this was my daughter and her grandson, my grandson? Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was going on. How would I want them treated? Okay. Now we're a hardworking family, the Ramseys. And so if the kid's getting ill and, you know, they constantly are getting ill, then, you know, what do we got a daycare? That's a germ factory. We need to change daycares. What, what's going on? I mean, we got to fight. We got the bottom of this just because you don't want the kid ill all the time. Why is the kid ill all the time? There's something wrong. And so I'd want to get, you know, I, treat other people like you want to be treated. So I just switch shoes. I say, gosh, if that was my daughter, my son, uh, and they were working somewhere and they got cancer, how would you want them to be treated? Okay. That, that's, that's the th- first thing we look at. And that also means that we could get involved and go, you know, what the flip's going on here? Uh, we don't have to just stand back and accept this, all this stuff. I mean, we can go, Hey, that's not, okay. you know, I'm not, cause I wouldn't want my, I wouldn't expect an employer to, uh, just go forever on, on uh, you know, a whim, you know, not, not, not on facts and without investigating and sourcing the actual problem and fixing it. Okay. So the second thing is then the question we always ask ourselves, okay, when I'm 89, 99 years old and I'm on my deathbed, what will I be proud that I did? Right. 
And that always leads us to the third thing, and that is, when in doubt, I overdo grace. Okay. I go too long, because I'd rather make mistakes going too long than too short. And our team knows that, so sometimes they're looking around going, hey, this duper doesn't work much, but Chad, he always gives them every chance. He's not a pushover. He's not, he's not, he's not, uh, you know, being t- he's not a guy that's going to be taken advantage of, but he's very kind and graceful and strong, and he's always going to give you every chance. So if this ever yep. comes up, so the other employees are, here's what's running through their mind, whether they say it or not. Uh, if this ever comes up with me, he's going to treat me that way. Because really, you're, telesco- you're, you're telegraphing to the rest of the team how you're going to treat them if they get in a pinch. Right. I hope they're mature enough to interpret it like that. They can't help it. They can't keep from it. They, they just, they, you know, unless they're just, you know, really infantile because they, they have to be watching and they go, that's how, that's how, that's how that company takes care of that. And so I can assume that they're probably going to do that with me. I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I can assume they're probably going to do that with me. Where if the first time something comes up, you're just chop, chop and they're gone. Then they go, well, first time I screw up, it's going to be chop, chop. I'm gone. And it's harder to keep people then because they're not going to be loyal because they don't see loyalty from okay. you. So corporate America always talks about why aren't employees loyal? Well, it's simple because you dubers aren't loyal to your employees. And Chad is loyal to his employees. He's walking with this lady while she's going through with a sick kid. And so he's, he's extending loyalty. Well, what you will get back is increased, not perfect, but increased loyalty from her and from the team as well. Okay. And so, um, we've got a lady on our team who, um, uh, gosh, it's almost it's almost twenty years ago. Had a toddler that uh, got cancer, hmm. and um, we just shut down her job and sent her home and paid her and took care of her job. Oh, and a bunch of people got together and kept her yard cut, and a bunch of people got together and um, uh, kept meals on their table while they went through the chemo with a toddler, and. Um, for a little while, then we were real happy when there was a little bald-headed kid running around the office that lived, <laughs> and we were yeah. all celebrating and jumping up and down because we had participated in the whole process with them. And um, it wasn't that long ago that that toddler was 16 years old and walked into my office, and uh, you know, it made me cry because uh, she yeah. still works here. And uh, so that's, you know, that that's. That's when you know you did it right, but then there's other times you treat people right, and then 20 seconds later they're going, oh, well, they're paying me more on matching on the 401K, and so I have no memory of you being different, and so I'm out of here, and you still get, you get, you know, it's not always returned one for one, so, but you do right. have those cases where you go, you know, and I can tell you this, if you want to talk bad about Dave Ramsey, don't do it in front of that girl's mom, because <laughs> yeah. uh, she will take you out and they'll never find the body. I mean, it's like, you know, she is not, because you talk about loyal, but we were loyal to her. So we earned that. And we're, you know, we're, we're family. We care about each other. So that's what you're going to do. And, um, you know, the other thing you could do is if you can get, I think what would help here was with some com- good communication from the, the lady. You need to find out more about what's going on and how you can help. And then you need to ask her permission to share that with her coworkers and say, hey, listen, so-and-so is out, and here's what's going on with her kid. And she said, I could tell you. 
because I mean, yeah. we're all having to pick up her slack right now, but it, but it's not because we're weak and it's not because she's taking advantage of us and she just doesn't want to work. It's because this is what's going on. Um, okay. and the coworkers then will go, yeah, I'm in, I'll help because it's temporary. There's going to be an end to it. Uh, it can't, you know, it can't be something we're doing forever and ever, but yeah, you just gotta, you gotta take care of people when they're down. You don't shoot your wounded. Um, and, yeah. and you know, uh, and then you just, sometimes you look up and you go, I've, you know, I've reached the end of this and I've gone as far as we can go. And, uh, you can't always, I mean, you can't, okay. There's an end of this, like the end of this thing you're talking about, Chad is, uh, a few more months. Okay. You're not going to do this for five years. Okay. So that, that, that's not reasonable. So you wouldn't ask someone to do it for you for five years. Treat other people like you'd want to be treated. So you're going to do this for a reasonable number of days or months that according to your particular situation, and you're going to have good, clear communication with the team and with the team member that's in there so they know what's going on. And, and so it doesn't sneak up on them where you go, okay, today's the last day. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to say, okay, hon, look, we've been going with this for seven months now. We got about 60 more days to turn this around, or we're going to have to make other arrangements. And so I'm, I'm trying to walk with you. I love you. I love the baby. We're trying to help you. But we've, we've really reached about the far as we can go on this. And just good, clear communication. Don't sneak up on people. And um, then, then that way you're not. But, but even then, you're like, at that, by the time you say 30 more days or 90 more days, you're already emotionally at the end of your rope. So you're already going that mile plus another mile. And you won't ever regret that 10 years later. The only part of it you'll regret is when that person leaves and says something nasty about you after you did something good for them. That's the only part of it you'll regret, and that will happen too. That will happen too. It's part of it. It's just part of leadership. It sucks, but it's part of it. So, you, you, But that doesn't mean you, you know, just because somebody makes fun of you when you dance doesn't mean you quit dancing. Dance, baby. Dance. That, that's what, you know, bring it. Just let, let's have some fun here. Let's do this. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. We just got back from Summit 2024 in Dallas, and it was absolutely incredible, y'all. If you missed it, you don't want to miss the next one. Me and a few thousand small business leaders are going to Denver next May to hear from John Maxwell, Pat Lincioni, Dr. John Deloney, and many, many more. Plus, for the first time ever, we're doing reserved seating. The sooner you lock in your tickets, the better your seats will be. But hundreds of tickets are already gone. So don't wait. Go to entreleadership.com summit to reserve your seats today. I'm Dave Ramsey. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Mayor is in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Mayor. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dave. Glad to talk to you. You too. How can we help? Uh, so I have a, a low-voltage business. We do fire alarm and uh, camera security mm-hmm. for the last six years. Uh, we have currently 15 employees. Uh, my question was, uh, how do I determine when to give a raise and uh, and how much to give as a raise? I treat my employees very well. Um, uh, but that's, I started out, I had a vision how much I think they should make annual, like weekly. Mm-hmm. Well, it came to, it came, I raised them very quickly, and it came to a point that I felt I can't raise them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they don't produce uh, as much as I give them. Uh, but I, I, 
it comes up as like every year, end of the year, they say, say when do what do I get for a raise? Mm-hmm. Okay, are you overpaying, um, like a technician, what the rest of the industry pays them? Um, I mean, low voltage is everywhere, so there ought to be a standard for a uh, like, like let's say the person that installs the alarms. Okay, a technician, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, other alarm companies, other low voltage companies, what do they pay that technician and what do you pay them? Uh, good question. I'll have to check that in the, in the industry. Okay. One of the things we do, um, and I was talking about that in an earlier segment on this particular episode, is that we do a comp study, uh, which you can jump on like monster.com or LinkedIn or different places and do it fairly easily. It doesn't require a ton of money to be spent. Uh, or you can just call around and ask, okay, what does this particular position pay in the Brooklyn, New York area? Okay, what does a typical person uh, pulling wire in a low voltage pay? Or what's a uh, someone who's certified to do alarm installations? What do they get paid on average? And you want to be at or slightly above that amount, but you don't want to be double that amount. Uh, that, uh, instead I would be providing them other things, even some cash bonuses and things out of profits before I would just say that's your pay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, in other words, let's say you called around, let's just, I'll, I'll just make up. What do you pay an alarm tech right now? Uh, I started out with, uh, depends his experience. If he's coming from a different or he's a beginner. Okay. But uh, I started in the range right now between twelve and fifteen hundred a week. Okay, all right, and so they're making like seventy a year. Yes. Okay, so you got an alarm tech making seventy a year mid range, and um, if you've got one that's been with you ten years, and one hundred percent of the time or ninety eight percent of the time, you know that when they're doing something, a they're doing it right, and b they're doing it the way you would want it done. Both things. Because right is okay, but the way I want it done and right is really important. Does that make sense? Yes. Like how they treat the customer, how they dress, do they bathe, uh, do they follow up and check on the, you know, what's going on. Uh, if it's a builder they're working with on new construction, you know, are they dependable? Uh, all those kinds of things, you know, th- these are the things that come into it. But if you've got that for 10 years, that person um, is worth more than someone that has the exact same skill and knowledge and work ethic that starts tomorrow, that doesn't have the experience with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for instance, my personal assistant, Patty has been with me 21 years. Patty knows more about Dave Ramsey than Dave Ramsey does. Okay. She and my wife together could write a book that would destroy me. <laughs> okay. So Patty's value versus a personal assistant to the CEO of a company this size coming in brand new next week where Patty to retire, her value is light years more. So she gets paid a lot more than a personal assistant would get paid at this level. Okay. But, but she has, but it's, it's not just because we love Patty. It's because 21 years of knowledge base of who gets to see Dave, what Dave does, what Dave doesn't do. She's got a sign outside her office that says, no one gets to see the wizard, no way, no how. 
all this kind of stuff. It's a big joke, you know. We have a lot of fun with it. But the point is her her experience is valuable inside of this company. So if you've got a and a, a bookkeeper that's been with you for 15 years, they're a lot more valuable than a new bookkeeper coming in to do just the exact same job. So if 70 is the number that it takes to hire somebody in, in the marketplace, let's say you, you do a survey of your competitors and you discover that 70 is about what the average rate going rate is. Then you would look around among your team and say, okay, this guy over here has been here for 10 years. He's worth more than 70 if he does his job properly. And if he doesn't do his job, we got other issues. You don't fix that with a raise or a cut. We fix that with talking him through how to do the job. But if he's a great team member, great alarm tech, and you know, and he's worth more than 70 to you because you, could, you, you replace him with a brand-new person, you got to start over on how Mayer runs the business. And, so, and that has a value. So I'm going to give that guy raises – based on tenure, but not because of tenure, but because of what tenure represents, that he's been doing excellent work for a long period of time and is dependable, okay? Then the second thing is uh, I've got to compete in the marketplace or he will leave. If 70 is the going rate and I'm paying my guys 50, uh, they're going to leave. You're not going to keep them. So you've got to be competitive in the marketplace in terms of, you know, what it takes to hire a, uh, an alarm tech in your area. And so you need to be doing these co- a little bit of an informal or formal comp study uh, on, on what these different positions are and um, then pay them uh, competitively. And then sometimes they some a, a competitor is still willing to overpay them. Uh, we had a guy in here not long ago that we were we felt like we were overpaying him and some moron gave him $50,000 more than we're paying him. And we're like, oh, yeah, both of you, you deserve each other. So you need to, you know, no way, no way is worth that. And, but they're just, you know, somebody got uh, stars in their eyes. So you're still going to lose some of them sometimes, but that, that's, um, so a, we need to find out what it costs to fill the position and not have the competitors stealing our people, poaching our people. Right. Um, and then B, uh, the longer they've been with you, and have been competent, the more they are actually worth to you. And then C, if you want to pay them more than those rates that we're talking about, like that 10-year guy might be making 80 or 85 in a $70,000 world. That's fine because, again, he, he or she would be worth that. Um, and then beyond that, if you've got extra profits and you want to start doing, okay, hey, guys, you know, there's 15 of us in here. We're making good money in this place. I'm just going to share some of it. I'm going to, and you can come up with some kind of a plan and you don't have to explain to them what the percentages are. We have a profit sharing plan at Ramsey for a portion of our team members. And, uh, it is based on a formula that no one knows except me and, you know, my CFO and a few others. And because we change the formula sometimes to make it more generous or less generous, depending on what's going on. Uh, but overall, we're going to share our profits. It's one of our core values. But that has not that that's not compensation. That's sharing. Compensation is you're getting paid for what you do and what you know. Sharing is we all did a bunch of work together, made some money. I'm going to share some of it. That's different than the comp plan. Um, corporate America gets those two things confused periodically. 
Hey, guys, we could use your help. Mike, Mayor, thanks for calling in, by the way. We appreciate the help. Appreciate you being part of the program. If you uh, want to help us out out there, guys, we'd love the help. We appreciate it. If you'd consider clicking the follow button or the subscribe button, it makes a big difference in the algorithm. Hit Click the like button, all that kind of stuff. You'll get uh, more of our stuff handed to you, and it helps us in the algorithms and moves the show up in the rankings and all those kinds of things. Share the show, for goodness sakes. Tell people about it. Clip, take a particular episode, send an email of it to your friends, all those kinds of things. It's a big deal. Leave a five-star review. We appreciate it. The one-star reviews are useless. Mama said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. You want to hate on somebody, go listen to something else. My God, what's the problem? There's five million podcasts. Choose another one. It's not a big deal. So we'd appreciate you. We appreciate all the nice reviews. We appreciate the nice things you're saying out there. We appreciate that you're sharing this show. The numbers are way up, and uh, we thank you much for that. It's pretty stinking incredible and uh, makes me happy to come down here and answer your questions. By the way, if you do want to participate, just call us at 844-944-1070 or uh, click entreeleadership.com slash ask. And remember, better a weary warrior than a quivering critic. Leaders serve. Leaders are active, not passive. Leaders act on principle, not appearances. This world needs more high-quality leaders. So choose to lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast.